so sad <laughs> it's an emo it's an emo day in gringolandia uh welcome mm. welcome all of you to uh what may be three different episodes of two red gringos based <laughs> on how long this goes but uh as always it's phil Baki joined by patrick staley and uh yeah phil's got us feeling some type of way huh I I normally like to start out with with some positive energy, but I you know it, it's not too far off from Christmas, so I just want to say like bah humbug just to get started because I feel so. I don't know. I th- I think I'm angrier about this than you are. You're you're much more level headed and a reasonable guy. My 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 takes on what I've seen so far with Twitter regarding Phil has been. I don't know. I don't I, I don't know if uh, I, I'm interested to see. Because you know, normally we just kind of go off the cuff, and and we've we've got our outline, we've got our our talking points, uh, but we don't really know where the other is going to go. So, I'm interested to hear your take on Phil because I've I've been angry. I've been angry for about what the past 24, 36 hours. <laughs> I uh, I find myself getting madder, um, <laughs> but we'll we'll. Uh, I think as it sets in, it it just becomes a little too real to to handle but um first first let's talk we uh we always talk our poisons and uh so what i know you you were rushed a bit today um but what uh what are you rocking in terms of beverages well we we bounced around Coyoacan, Frida Kahlo's old neighborhood, and I, you know, was a couple couple beers in already. But <laughs> <laughs> rushing back in time, like I told you, my uh, my my Belgian beer shop was closed, so I went to the store, just picked out some uh, Modelo Negra. Um, I figured that would do the trick. So, yeah, we we need to discuss like the hierarchy of Mexican beers at some point on this pod and, and bring in, <laughs> bring in some experts to discuss, but, uh, yeah, absolutely no, so. just some, just regular old Modelo for me today. I, uh, yeah, I went, I went for the, the heavier stuff. So, um, I'm actually just a small, a small bit of, uh, high prairie, uh, <laughs> bourbon whiskey. Um, just a, oh. just a little bit, just a little bit. Um, and a, uh, to follow it up, because it's whiskeys and IPAs, that's how bitter I am about Phil leaving. Um, when we said pick your poison, we should have said the venom from the fangs of <laughs> Phil Coutinho. 
And the that, snake that he is. So this, uh, I'm following it up with a uh, Southern Star Brewing Company conspiracy theory IPA. <laughs> <laughs> it just felt it felt right. It's uh, it's all too perfect with as as transfer goes. So do so does Twitter and FSG out on there. Exactly. And uh, so the background music as we as we begin our delve into the Phil Coutinho transfer saga will be accompanied by the slow emotional soothing tones of Kanye West's classic album 808s and Heartbreak because that's my favorite where we're at my (laughs) my favorite Kanye album believe it or not really yep or no uh Dark Twisted Fantasy but 808s is is a close close second um so, uh, I see you, you're making notes on the, I, I said bourbon, not urban. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I wanted, to, I wanted to keep track. I was like, Oh, you know, if we ever go down memory lane, I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll document the, the different brews that we're right. partaking in. I don't know. I, I think they missed an opportunity there with, with yeah. urban whiskey. So, uh, so, all right, let's, let's go ahead and, uh, just jump. Let's just jump straight into this because I know we've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, um, you got a lot of urban whiskey to drink. In yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, like you said, I I think you were feeling angrier of the two of us in terms of your reaction to the sale of Phil Coutinho. If you've been living under a rock or in a uh, fallout shelter due to you know presidential tweets, um, <laughs> Phil Coutinho has been sold to Barcelona for. Uh, the fee of, I think it came out to about 142 million pounds, um, when the dust settled, um, and, uh, he does move in January. He moves, uh, to a team where he won't be able to play in the Champions League until next season. And, uh, I think all of Liverpool fandom is, is finding different emotional responses coming to the move of what is undoubtedly one of Liverpool's best players, but also probably one of the most loved up until this season. Yeah. Um, so talk us through uh, your your reaction to the news of the last couple of days. Oh, God. Well, I'll lead with... I thought I was going to save this to the end, but I'll lead with it because when you said in terms of most loved players, I think Coutinho definitely held held that mantle. And it's quickly passed to Firmino. Everything that has happened this year, mostly through Instagram and Snapchat stories, um, <laughs> has, has given Firmino the chance to become the most well-loved and maybe solid too. But Firmino's kind of got that. He's a world-class player. He has but he's actually got incredible skill. I think we he's our most important player. But with that being said, what I wanted to say about Coutinho and Firmino, I'll, I'll start on a, on a high point, is that LFC Twitter has turned so quickly on Coutinho's wardrobe choices here in the past couple days. <laughs> and meanwhile, Firmino is rocking like metal ties, oh, yeah. like women's sunglasses. He's crushing it. And <laughs> Phil's getting just slated for wearing, you know, his wife's jeans or shoes or whatever else. So I wanted to get that out of the way because, you know, it, it, that at least brings a smile to my face. But no, I was, I, 
we all kind of knew it was coming. I just didn't think Coutinho, FSG actually had the balls to pull off or to give in to a January move. The, the, what I'm most frustrated about, I think, was – and I think this is where I differ than a lot of people is that – and even I saw you saying it. Like, you know, whenever Phil, you know, say what you want about how he left, he gave it his all until like the very last day. And I just think that's bullshit because he, on the pitch, yes. When he was on the pitch this season, he was the type of player we've wanted him to become. I heard some people saying, like, oh, past four seasons he's been world class. He hasn't. He's shown glimpses of it. And to a point last year, but this season, he's been, I mean, uh, as good as solid in terms of goals, assists per minute. Um, so not just about replacing him in January, but it, it's not just been what happened on the pitch. It was what happened leading up to still going on in the transfer window at the start of the season when he held out. And at this time, it, it's coming out that the injuries were faked um, and, the, and the club kind of played along with it. Um, so I'm not, I, I, I know, and I realized that at the time, like nobody actually thought Coutinho was injured, but I just don't like this. You know, he, he gave it his all until the very end because he, he put us in jeopardy of dropping points at the start of the season. And he put us in jeopardy of, you know, the sitting out from the FA cup, uh, against the Merseyside Derby with Everton. And so I, that, that's what really upset me is that people were, were praising him for his performances, but there, there was always that underlining, like behind the scenes, sitting out of games. That I, I don't know. I, I just think that's unforgivable. Like you, you like purposely faking injuries to sit out. You're still getting paid a wage, and people are still praising him for being world class. So I think we've we have attributed his form. Here's what I fingers attributed his form brought to the table is unlike what he's had before but then also praising him for this you know he 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 plays well and it's different like van dyke even mares to an extent both of those players have have noticeably suffered i think in terms of their performance on the pitch and phil was absolutely crushing it for us but (laughs) he could have been crushing it for us in even more games and especially at the start of the season where it wasn't quite like the form that we've had recently too so that's and those are kind of the, the points that upset me the most. Um, so I'll let you go. But I, uh, also kind of FSG stance on the, the contract situations, apparently like everything with Chan from Coutinho and all that. But those are the two things that kind of irked me the most. Yeah. I uh, So seeing it from the perspective of the the faked injuries and uh, and him sitting out games, that is that it does make it a lot tougher to swallow because it, it was – um, you know, obviously, if this is keeping him from playing for the team that he's contracted to, then that is, like you said, unforgivable, especially um, opting essentially not to play in a Merseyside Derby, which even if that is if that ended up being his last game for the club and he's still sold, it at least leaves people with that notion of you know until the last day he was still committed Um, yeah but as as more and more comes out and how much he actually uh wanted this move it it ends up making it even tougher to swallow because we like to imagine that no footballer would ever dream of you know 
not playing for Liverpool or wanting to play for anybody above mm-hmm. Liverpool. Um, and so when it, you know, when it ends up not being true and, and a player like Phil wants to move so badly that I, I saw one report, I don't, I don't know if it's accurate, but I saw a report that he put as much as 15 million of his own <laughs> money into the, uh, into the transfer. So with him uh, wanting to allegedly commit that much of his own money to a to force a move, um, it does it does sour things for me a bit because it just it just shows how badly he wanted out, and I can't really figure out uh, why he wanted to force it so badly right now. Like in the summer, I got it. Like he didn't get to move. Next summer, if he move, you know, if he yeah. if he forces it through, got it. Like he gets his move, his dream move to, you know, the club he's wanted to play for since he was a kid. But he doesn't leave us, you know, high and dry, as he's kind of done right now. Um, and it really doesn't, like you said here, um, the move doesn't really benefit anyone, not even Coutinho, aside from the fact that he now becomes a depth option for them to see out the rest of their league campaign um, and keep people fresher for the champions league. So, um, you know, he can essentially play the rest of the league season and one of their midfielders will only have to play the champions league for the rest of the season. Um, So their midfield just gets uh, a automatic, you know, injection of quality and uh, depth that uh, isn't going to, give Phil any more of a stage than he already had at, at Liverpool to perform uh, yeah. for, you know, Tite, like, which I, I think is who he's, you know, trying to impress through all of this is, is the Brazil manager. So, um, you know, for the, in preparation for the world cup, which obviously he's going and he's going to be an integral part of Brazil's run in the world cup, regardless of whether he goes to Barca or not. So at, I just, like you said, uh, the timing of the move is really what confuses me and kind of, I, I understand why, uh, why FSG has sold, um, for the amount of money, you know, for the fee, I understand it. The timing of it is, is tough to understand. And then allowing, um, the move to go through in January is, is, you know, even more, perplexing so that's that's kind of where I'm at is that realization that Phil really wanted out um is is tough to take because you just you want every player to want to play for Liverpool forever I know that's not the reality and it's kind of you know that's only in fantasy but um it is tough to take when one of the most beloved players um isn't actually enjoying himself uh, at the club. And that's, uh, it's disappointing at, at the end of the day that he's elected to move, uh, especially now because yeah. he's left the club in a, in a lurch. Well, I think the timing is the most brutal part of it too, because that, that leads us into how do we replace him? But also it, it tells us what the, the big picture was for Coutinho overall. And it was, the move specifically to Barcelona because at the, what, at the start of the year, I think we even spoke about 
what was driving Coutinho and what we all thought was, and it still is definitely a heavy influence, was the World Cup Brazil, the World Cup in Russia. That's what I think we all thought was was behind everything, right? Barcelona is a bigger stage for it. He'll he'll get his move and you know he'll be a lock even though he already was. Um, and now it's pretty clear. But whether if he even if he gave a dime of his own money for Barcelona, one of the largest clubs in the world, who can't afford his transfer fee, it just shows that it. And and that that's what kind of stings, like you said, is that we uh, oh, if it's a World Cup that's bigger. That's still bigger to me than club football, but the fact that it's now and now it appears that it's Barcelona to be the driving factor that that's what really stings. And you know, just the fact that how Barcelona handled the whole situation, where you know it's clear that the deal has has been close or been in place for a while now, ex players, current players coming out, it was just just the most classless thing I've ever seen. And for Coutinho to desperately want to be a part of that and the move specifically putting in, I, I would say, I don't think it puts his Brazil chances at risk. He's a lock. I think we all know that, but what you're, he's in the form of his life. He's better than he's ever been. And he's doing it every single game. Why, why he would want to throw that away for, to, to get a move to Barcelona where he can't play in the champions league, you know, which is a bigger, much bigger stage than what he would do in La Liga. That, that that's just been tough to swallow too. Um, and more and more kind of comes out about that. Um, and even, I don't know if you saw it, um, a couple things that recently popped up on LSC Twitter. One was the, the photo of Coutinho watching the Merseyside Derby. Did you see that one? Yeah, I did. I did see that. Yeah. And he's sitting about as close to the TV screen (laughs) as I do whenever I'm playing like rocket league, (laughs) you know, you're like six inches from it. So it looked horribly staged. And yeah, that, that was just, you know, you could have played, you could have played in the Derby, you could have gone out there and actually gotten a decent send off too, because, you know, we can, we can talk about his best moments, the, the, our favorite Coutinho moment, but it's all just a little bit sour now with the way that he, the way that he handled this, where everything was going for him. Um, but you know what? That's <laughs> that's that's the player. And so if if he desperately wants that move to Barcelona, then you know that that must be more important than leaving any type of legacy. You know, we talked about it a year ago. <laughs> right. Being you know being a Liverpool legend, having that legacy. So right. you know, it's all just talk, which is modern football, but it still sucks. Yeah, and th- I think that that makes it tough to take as well because everyone his line of reasoning when he said he wasn't going anywhere and signed, you know, the five-year deal. Um, everyone was like, yes, that's exactly, you know, the appeal of Liverpool is it's not, it's not a super club. It's not, we're not signing, you know, the, the biggest uh, names in world football to, you know, we're not the Galacticos or anything like that. Um, but, and, and with the title drought and, and all that stuff, you know, if you can achieve success at Liverpool, you're going to be remembered forever. Your name's going to be sung on the cop, you know, every weekend uh, from here to to eternity. Um, and and yet he elects to to move, you know, a year later, basically violating the exact line of reasoning that he had used to sign the contract in the first place. And that, yeah. I think that's, that's what 
you know, having something like that said where everyone points to it and says, wow, look at, you know, what a player we've got, like, look at his mentality. And then he turns around the next season and is like, all right, I'm off. That's, yeah. that's tough. And, and it does, it does certainly sour things because, um, because of the, the type of business that, that Barcelona were doing, like you were mentioning, it's just, it, it, it is the whole, the whole situation is just, it, just a, a freaking dumpster fire. It, um, it, it had to be a, a Barcelona going to Phil and saying it's now or never. Yeah. And maybe at the start of the season, you buy into that, but now halfway, it, it just, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like I, I understand, like I'm sure that was his dream. He was committed to it, but I don't know. To me, it's not worth wasting what you've built in the player that you've become to to just make that move a few months early. Yeah. Um, what what you what you put here with speaking of the contract? Um, you know, we we signed Phil to the five year deal, no release clause, which is essentially that protection of you know no club is going to be able to pry him away unless they meet you know a ridiculous valuation which ultimately Barcelona did um just not in the window that everyone would have wanted um because I'm sure next summer you know 150 plus million would have been just fine uh everyone would have oh yeah everyone would have been would have been pretty pretty okay with that especially if it you know the business would have been done pretty much right away uh window opens and we're able to go out and um, and spend that money wisely. Whereas now the club is kind of put in a position where it's expected to buy now, um, to replace one of its best players. Uh, but we always talk about how, you know, the value in January is never what it is in the summer. So, um, we're almost forced into this type of panic buy situation or else the fans melt down. Um, (laughs) <laughs> which will probably happen, which will, <laughs> has happened already. Um, yeah, but it is it is interesting when you put it in the context the 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 contract for Coutinho with no release clause to avoid us selling him for you know under his his value. Um, but meanwhile, Emre Chan, uh, who <laughs> ever since it has even been rumored that he was going to Juventus. The whole tone of uh, Liverpool Twitter's reaction to Chan has been uh, venomous, I guess. <laughs> like, not, not good. It's been bad. Uh, <laughs> not good. Literally anything he does uh, is, is the wrong thing. Um, he could... Uh, he could do anything, uh, you know, he could, he could smash it in from 30 yards and, and, uh, you know, uh, hit the badge and everything as he ran towards a corner flag for one of his patented knee slides. And everyone would talk (laughs) about, everyone would talk about how fake a a gesture it is. And, you know, he's, you know, he's just selling the club down the river. But at the end of the day, we, we stood firm on Chan not having a release clause yet, the other, you know, another major player with no release clause we sold anyways. So, um, yeah. and now we're going to lose Chan for $0. So there is the questioning of FSG, um, for their 
not necessarily their transfer business, I guess, uh, so much as their handling of player contracts. Um, yeah. Is, is that criticism warranted? I mean, we know the, the wage structures have always been less than some of the other top clubs. Um, but that's, that's this whole, the chance saga never really made sense from the start unless what happened with Phil was, was genuine. We're not going to put in a release clause because we don't want to sell you. And if we're able to, to re-sign Chan to a long-term contract without a release clause, then maybe it makes sense because he's, he's seen now that, okay, even though Coutinho didn't have a release clause, he played it a certain way and, and he got this move. So either way, we're kind of screwed because that, that precedent has been set. There's, we may get more money out of it, but players still know, here's what I have to do if I want, if I want to force a move to any other club. Um, but if Chan doesn't resign, then none of it, none of it makes any sense. Number one, just in general, why would you let Chan go for free when you could just sign him, even put in a 50 million release clause there and you've done unbelievable business with Chan sell him that summer, whatever. But, but if you don't like, if you're selling players, or if you're not re-signing players because they want a release clause, if you're selling players who demand a transfer, none of that really adds up for me. And I'm always been a big defender of FSG and their ownership, but I, I can't, I, I haven't been able to wrap my head around this Chan contract standoff all season, and now selling Coutinho. In January, I, I I just can't come to grips with it. It doesn't make any sense for me from I don't know from a business standpoint. If they are able to re-sign Chan, then then okay, that that gives me a little bit of clarity. But right now, I just don't see what what their stance is and how it makes any sense. So speaking of release clauses, uh, there's a another notable Brazilian. Uh, who plays for Liverpool, who has a release clause in his contract um, and is increasing in value seemingly by the minute. Um, Bobby Firmino uh, has an 80 million pound release clause in his contract. Uh, How soon does that need to either be increased or done away with completely? Oh, right yesterday today <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> that's why i love the when i was looking at the 808s and heartbreak album i see paranoid and i was like okay that's lfc twitter right now because <laughs> mane firmino sala they're all fair game according to lfc twitter like madrid's coming for sala they'll come for mane they're they're gonna take all of our players um but no firmino number one he deserved whatever wages he was making at the start of the season he deserves a bump and within that bump put in a release clause. I don't care, but it's got to be astronomical because that's the way transfer fees are going. So that needs to be, I would say even more so than finding a fill replacement objective. Number one right now is giving Firmino a new contract. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think we, we talk about it now and it's, it's been uh, it's been a bit before since we've since we've talked ded- in a dedicated way about Roberto Firmino, but um, shame on I, us. Shame yeah, on no, us. no kidding. Um, I, I have two Firmino jerseys in my closet, so um, <laughs> I uh, I he 
as we've talked about in the past, and, and I think you actually tweeted about this a little while ago, um, he's often overlooked because a lot of people look at uh, strikers across England. You know, you look at Agueros that are even thinking back to the Suarez days um, at yeah. Liverpool. We think about strikers in a specific way, and we think about them as goal machines and, and you know, little else. Um, but Roberto Firmino... Uh, is so important to the way that Liverpool play. Um, and I think he he literally provides evidence of that in every single game that he plays, uh, that I don't know that there's a striker on earth that can do what Bobby Firmino does in Klopp's side. Um, yeah. I, I think about, you know, everyone's ideal striker that they've thought about uh, Liverpool signing for the last maybe three years is is Aubameyang from uh, from Dortmund, and to me, Aubameyang is a I mean he's a brilliant striker. There's no denying that. But if you put him and Firmino uh, next to each other in terms of the help they actually give their team, um, yeah, Firmino is far and away better than Aubameyang in terms of the effort the work rate and then the assists as well. Um, because he does, he, he's more about the goal involvements than necessarily the goal scoring. Mm -hmm. Um, well, we said what at the beginning of the season and mostly because we, we had pegged Firmino to start taking all of the, the penalties we were thinking, okay, he's going to be the 20, 30 goal scorer that, that we need in the striker. And he's done that, but, but but without the penalty. So he's brought everything that makes him incredible. And it sounds ridiculous, but in terms of strikers, I think Suarez has been in better form lately. But in terms of who could kind of match what Firmino does, I think Aguero has a lot of shades of it. In the Premier League, Aguero would be the only one close. Like, I, I, I think Lukaku, Kane, all those strikers are great, but they could not replace Firmino. Maybe, maybe Aguero. And I think maybe like kind of peak Suarez, 13, 14 right. running around in a Klopp team, um, right. could offer what Firmino is, but, and this is across, I mean, there, there are plenty of amazing strikers that I wouldn't hesitate to take, but Firmino is, is both a nine and a six. Like who, <laughs> who else, who else in the world is, is doing that and capable of that. So, yeah, if we we need to lock him into pay bump, let him buy some new metal ties. Yeah, <laughs> you know, give give his girlfriend, his wife, whatever she. Oh, wife now, right? You got yeah, married. They got married. they got married. Let you know. Let her give her give her some walking around money. She wants some shoes. Give her some shoes. Like put Firmino <laughs> on a long term contract and pay bump. Yeah. Ridiculous. Give him if he wants a two hundred million release. Give him, you know, it, release clauses don't really matter, but it yeah. needs to be ridiculous because like, like in a season like, or two, somebody's going to come call him. Yeah, I uh, so um, so before we get to to close out the the Phil saga before uh, before we get to our our favorite Phil moment, let's talk about. There's been a couple of names thrown around uh, on LFC Twitter about who should be brought in to, to replace him. And, uh, I, I think we'll talk more about, uh, replacements currently in the squad or so some say, um, 
but uh, but two targets that have gotten thrown around a lot. Obviously, uh, one was already a target in the summer, uh, reportedly, and failed in, in Thomas Lamar from Monaco. And then the name that's been going around the past couple of days uh, is Riyad Mahrez from Leicester. So do either of those float your boat as uh, fill replacements? I like both of them. I just don't know. Our front three is set. And both of those players, I think, would operate kind of like Phil, operate in an advanced position. Um, and that that wouldn't necessarily – our Phil replacement, I don't think necessarily needs to be the position that Phil played. Right. I think to strengthen the squad, we need to bring in – some other positional players. Now, if, if we can get Lamar Mares, I am a hundred percent in favor of both of those players. Right. But I, I still think that leaves both of those players would still leave us with some gaps. Um, Mares I've obviously seen a lot more of, and he's got uh, goal scoring capabilities. He's got the creativity, uh, even the stats floating around that, you know, compared to Hazard and both Coutinho um, in the past couple seasons, he's got more goals, more assists uh, than both of them. Yeah, so Mars is definitely, uh, I don't like the term PL proven, but <laughs> he's, I, with Lamar, we don't know. Number one, just because it's a different league, we haven't seen as much of him. Um, but I think he's definitely more of the long-term buy and Mars kind of screams of the uh, let's replace goals and assists as quickly as we can. Right. Uh, Mares, uh I actually had this thought of when, when Mars's name was getting thrown around, I had this thought of, Oh, well, Mars hasn't really been, you know, ever since Lester won the title, Mars really hasn't been the same player. Um, but I decided to, you know, look up his stats because I hadn't actually looked at it. And he's got <laughs> the eye test had failed. You. <laughs> the eye test had completely <laughs> failed. He's got seven goals and eight assists in the premier league this season. Yeah. Um, he's been, he's been good. He's been fantastic. So I, I, I think, I think that's important to remember when we talk about Mares because he was obviously, you know, a sensation when when Leicester won the league and and it was um, one of those seasons that seemed, you know, just kind of blessed. Um, but he's he's been great in the in the Premier League this season, um, and so I think the one thing with Mares is I can envision him just the few times you know the few times I've seen him play for Leicester this year. I, I can envision him playing in in midfield or as part of the front three. Um, you know, in that fill role in midfield where he kind of is a float uh, a floating attacking midfielder rather than yeah. just a little bit deeper behind the front three um, and kind of has his uh, freedom of the park. He doesn't really have uh, a lot of, you know, defending responsibilities or anything like that. Um but I can all, you know, he also, I know he's most comfortable on the right wing. So he is a, you know, a depth option for when Sala is, um, you know, either not fit or, uh, needs a, needs a break. Lamar to me is the more, uh, pure replacement for Phil Coutinho, the left wing player. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, but the way that we've played this season, you know, that front three of, Mane, Firmino, and Salah is is tough to break into, and I don't know that Lamar has the experience playing in midfield, um, 
you know, in that deeper role. So it, it could be something that maybe he has to build to. Um, but like you said, I think both players would be welcome at the club, but I think there are other places to spend that money um, that are more immediate needs. Um, and, and the name of Allison <laughs> from Roma has been thrown around uh, as, a, as a keeper. Uh, he has been one of the, the best performing uh, keepers in the in Europe's top five leagues this year um, for Roma, and with that pipeline now established between us and Roma, <laughs> maybe I I said this on Twitter a while ago, but maybe Roma can become our new Southampton, and uh, we'll get that steady steady pipeline of players coming up through Roma into Liverpool's first team. Yeah, you got to spread the wealth a little bit. Allison would be a dream, just because everything that I, I've heard and, and seen about him, not just kind of highlight clips, um, but what little I've seen him this season is it, it kind of reminds me of the city signing Ederson. Like they went out, they got a keeper that, that fit their system. Um, even though Carius described, they had those same capabilities. If we, if we're not there, if we don't trust them and if they haven't shown us and as much as I think Carius still has potential, he hasn't, he hasn't really shown us those glimpses, right? Uh, he's shown a lot of the same issues that Minule has, and granted it's been tough on him, but I think, I think Allison would be a no-brainer. And it would 40 million, 40 million would be a record for a keeper, correct? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I think so. So, you know, we already broke the record for a defender. Uh, I think it sends a good message <laughs> to the FSG out crowd that we, you know, those those are our weakest positions. For me, it's getting a, a creative slash holding midfielder and um, a, a goalkeeper that's at another level. And that to me is the best way. Don't go out and spend like a hundred million on four or five different players. Just get, just get two, <laughs> just go out, get right. those high need positions to fill. And then you can get creative with whatever depth that you want to sign, but spend the fill money on one or two players that can come in and actually fill the holes because even this season, there there weren't many games, but there were a couple. I think maybe it's West Brom that comes to mind, mm-hmm. where Phil was kind of noticeably absent from that midfield. He didn't. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll provide Lalana for instance. That's the area, <laughs> the middle of the pitch is where Lalana is going to excel. Right. And Phil, that was that was a detriment to his to to our our, our team play um, on a couple of those occasions where he just didn't have like Ozil gets it all the time. They don't have the defensive prowess to, you know, make up with they're not firing on offense too. So um, that to me is where I can see, especially after the Merseyside Derby, we saw our midfield really struggled against Everton. Yeah. So Everton of all people, but <laughs> that to me would be, we don't need attack. <laughs> like everybody's saying like sign Mares and Lamar. We don't need attack. We need, balance in the midfield and we need just a, a rock in defense. So that, that to me is where that fill money should go. Right. And I mean, in terms of attacking depth, people forget too, that Ben Woodburn and Harry Wilson are playing in the U 23s right now and absolutely lighting that league up. Um, not to mention, uh, <laughs> Ryan, is it Ryan Brewster? Grand Brewster or Ryan Brewster. I don't think it's Ryan. Too many letters for Ryan. Ryan, Ryan Brewster. 
he's, I mean, he's been brilliant too. And the kids, uh, you know, just turning 18. So we have attacking options, even down in the, in the youth ranks of the club as well, um, that we can look to if we're really hurting for depth, um, later in the season, but we've seen that those players haven't really featured even on the bench. Yeah. Uh, that no shouts, no shouts for Markovic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Markovic, uh, remember we turned down uh, 10 million pounds for Markovic in the summer. So, Such as such 2017-2018 as transfer fees where you can turn down 10 million for Markovic and nobody really cares that much. <laughs> um, so... So leaving leaving this Phil business on a on a high note because uh, you know we're about to talk about stuff that's a lot more positive surrounding the surrounding the club and um, so we'll leave we'll leave Phil despite the fact that he tried to leave on a on a bitter note um, we'll leave him on a high note uh, Phil two hundred and one appearances for the club fifty four goals and forty six assists uh, in all competitions um, ended up playing just shy of 15,000 minutes. Um, and of those goals and assists or of those 201 appearances, uh, what is, what is your, your favorite moment from Phil's time at, at LFC? I don't want to steal it because I feel like this, (laughs) the Europa league goal versus United Mm -hmm. where he just chips it past De Gea, you know, Greatest greatest keeper in the world right now. Right. Saves absolutely everything, and Phil just embarrasses him. So in two matches where we completely dominated United, that was just – I think that was the goal that Phil deserved, and it was a goal that the fans deserved from those two matches. So, um, But on a lesser note, the I'll always remember Phil until he betrayed us so, so bitterly was, <laughs> <laughs> was the Phil Coutinho – I don't know if they were wedding holiday photos with his family. And I, I, cause I saw those and I thought this is a player that's going to stay with us for (laughs) the rest of his life. You know, Firmino's off prancing around in in Cyprus with his, you know, with his wife and wearing metal ties. (laughs) Yeah. If he leaves, okay. You know, okay. But Firmino's taking like, he's getting his photos done at Walmart or something. It looked like. And so I saw that. I was like, he's going to be with us for life. So that used to be my favorite moment. Um, but that all that all, <laughs> that all came crashing down <laughs> after the events of the last forty eight hours. So yeah, you know the the goal against De Gea was just, I mean, it it encompasses everything that at his peak he brought to the club. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely destroying a fullback uh, with with a skill and then composure in front of the best goalie in the world. It's I mean it's tough to argue with that as as a moment that really defined. Uh, Phil's career at Liverpool and also kind of notified everyone of uh, his rise um, and yeah. kind of his emergence as a, a top player versus, you know, a, a very solid player, um, which he had already been. Um, but obviously um, nearly the most famous moment in Liverpool history, uh, if things had gone a bit differently the following weeks. Um, but the winner against city, uh, I've never really <laughs> felt anything like that. Um, not since, 
like 08, 09, um, in the title race, what was, uh, was there anything that dramatic, uh, and for, you know, him to one of, you know, one of the youngest players, it was like a season defined by, um, the emergence of him and Sterling and, uh, and, and then Sturridge as, as top players. So it's, it's tough to argue with that because, you know, the company miskick being just such a, such a rarity <laughs> and then for Coutinho to just latch onto it and bury it first time into the corner. I mean, absolutely amazing. And, uh, uh, you know, I wish things had gone differently from there. We all do. Um, but that, uh, that winning goal against city, I'll, I'll, really never be able to forget that but then uh i think i think a a lesser moment in terms of importance but a i think the moment where everybody really realized that wow this this is some player we've got is um the first game of last season against arsenal when he takes that free kick at the end of the half we've been pretty oh yeah we've been pretty abysmal the entire first half like nothing really going for us and he buries a kick from like 30 (laughs) plus yards at like 35 yards, probably Um, buries a free kick in the top corner past Petrchek. And like, um, I remember I was watching down in Austin, you know, the place goes absolutely wild, but um, there, that was a moment where I was like, wow, I, I, I knew Phil was good, but to, to really take an opportunity like that, um, it takes a special player. So, yeah. So I think and, that was kind of the moment where I realized, Oh my God, like this guy is, has, has reached, you know, the, the heights, um, that we all kind of imagined for him. Um, but he had only shown, you know, the, he'd shown the odd long range goal, but not the, I'm going, you know, he's standing over a free kick. This is going in. There's no, you know, no one oh, yeah. from there doubted, you know, every time he stood over a free kick, it, um, it was almost like, uh, you know, Juninho, uh, type, mm-hmm. type, uh, <laughs> almost robotic, uh, precision that he had, um, for free kicks, which was kind of a new side of his game as well. So, yeah, uh, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of moments obviously to, to, uh, to look back and just see his development at LFC into, into the player he is now. Yeah. I, and that's what the, uh, <clears throat> I think it was Chicago OLSC that kept talking about his directness and from free kicks from midfield, from, uh, you know, the left wide position, we don't have anybody, maybe, maybe Chan on his day, but we don't have anybody that can pull up from 25, <laughs> 25, 30 yards that not only has the confidence, but also the, the world-class skill that you need. And that, I mean, I think that's what we remember Phil for is not, it wasn't just against lesser teams, but it was, you know, the, <laughs> the opposite of a Lukaku goal. It was a 25 yard screamer. That was the difference in result. It was right. against city arsenal top teams where right. we needed those results. So that I think is what we're going to need, <laughs> need to replace the most. And I honestly, I don't know if, if you can really replace that because there's too few players 
in the world that are actually capable of that. So I think you have to look elsewhere to what are our high need positions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think they used the goal against Swansea, which oddly enough, Phil's career at Liverpool had uh, a weird bit of symmetry to it. And maybe this is why he pulled out of the uh, Merseyside Derby, but um, his first goal for Liverpool scored at home against Swansea and his last Liverpool goal scored at home against Swansea. So um, he bookended his career nicely, even if all of the business <laughs> surrounding it was was bad. Um, but using that goal, uh, that final goal that he scored for the club, uh, as as the perfect example of, of what you were talking about, um, there was no doubt in my mind, or I think anybody anybody in the ground, probably the Swansea players too, um, but anybody watching that, as soon as Phil shaped to shoot, um, first time from, you know, just outside the box, as soon as his body took that shape, I think everybody knew that that ball was going into the back of the net. Yeah. Um, I, I was, I was on my couch and I knew, it, I mean, it was, it was even, I think before he hit it, um, it was just, he had the perfect shape, the perfect technique. And everybody knew that that was that that was going in the top corner, and and it did. Um, so that that's the type of thing when anybody else shapes to shoot uh, for Liverpool. There are plenty of players who I think maybe Salah is becoming that player where uh, when he cuts onto his left foot, I think yeah. this is this is curling into the into the um, into the left corner. But uh, but we really don't have that guy where I know when he's, you know, coming onto the ball or, or uh, standing over the ball that, that, that it's going to end up in the back of the net as assuredly as, as Phil. So that is something that someone, you know, someone is going to have to step up. And it's, I mean, it's been Sala to step up so far. Um, and we know that our, our uh, front three has that quality about them. So um, it'll just be a, a question of who, who ends up doing it uh, in the end for Liverpool. But we know that this side has quality. So the uh, despite Phil moving on, the show goes on, and, uh, yeah. and there will be players to step up to fill, to fill the gap left by, left by Phil. There always are. It's just a matter of <laughs> when it's in January, <laughs> how quickly – can can the squad adapt and can FSG and Klopp adapt to filling that role too? So right. hopefully, hopefully the next episode we're talking about you know Liverpool's new record signing or <laughs> or a high price signing that they just brought in. Well, speaking of high price signings that we just brought in, um, I think now is as good a time as any to to move on to brighter topics uh, in Liverpool land. So the last. The last few games for Liverpool, as supporters, we've been fairly spoiled, I think. <laughs> um, so in the festive period, so we, you know, we hadn't talked since before Christmas. So in the festive period, Liverpool uh, smashed Swansea um, on Boxing Day. Uh, missed missed uh, coming out to Chicago for that one, so I was a little disappointed not to watch with OLSC, but those guys out there are... Uh, are great and uh shout out to aj hudson's yeah shout out to chicago yeah so um chicago 
uh, represented well. Good turnout on Boxing Day. And uh, I'm glad you and uh, Dan could make it down there for that. Um, and then they turn around on, on New, Year's, New Year's Day, or excuse me, before that. Uh, they play Leicester. Um, and a gritty ground out 2-1 two, two win uh, with Sala being the, the difference maker that day. Um, his, his winning goal... Uh, where he absolutely just mugs <laughs> Harry Maguire is, is possibly one of my favorite of the season so far. Um, Brutalized him. Yeah, I mean, Sol- not Sol- since Firmino did Soldado. Yeah, <laughs> have I seen somebody that that emasculated on a football pitch? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's it's up there with uh, with David Luiz getting nutmeg twice by Suarez in, <laughs> in the Champions League. Um, but no. Um, so, so a two-one win against Leicester with the you know the second goal coming in with 15 minutes till time, and then New Year's Day, <laughs> the Estonian Viking himself, <laughs> Ragnar Klavan, uh, with the winner. And uh, I, uh, I was watching in a hotel restaurant in Dallas with uh, loads of hungover people from from New Year's. Um, and had to try very hard not to just immediately go <laughs> <laughs> go shirt off, uh, you know, knee slide into the lobby um, following the the winner from Clavon. And then we have in in the Derby in the FA Cup, uh, we have the, that man Virgil. <laughs> Uh, not to be confused with the WWE star, the, who is the impersonating real, the real Virgil, who is impersonating Virgil Van Dyke at the at the moment. If you're not following the real Virgil on Twitter, you need to. Um, and and we'll I think we need to dedicate some time to that. Um, as part he's of still this. going, he's yeah, still going. No, he he celebrated sl- the winner. Has not slowed down one <laughs> bit. So okay, so we'll take a so obviously Virgil Van Dyke. Scoring the winner at the cop end against Everton in on his debut, like just just speaking about you know the all the pressure uh, that everyone was willing to put on on Van Dyke from from fans who are saying that he'll immediately you know improve the defense um, to media who were like this price tag is insane for a defender. Yeah. Uh, everyone was willing to put that pressure <coughs> on him. How? amazing is it that he gets this goal in his first game just to relieve uh, not all of it but but so much of it almost immediately i was on an unbelievable high because i had finally the doghouse pub i've been talking about a lot on twitter Mm -hmm. first time that uh there were a couple matches ago uh before the the festive fixtures kicked off i went and it was closed for like a private event um so they finally started opening up with weird hours so I'm thinking, okay, FA Cup midday, they're open. They were advertising on Facebook. I bumped into some LC fans from Ireland, England, and Denmark. That's um, uh, Drinking like porters, porters of all things. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> while, while watching the match. <laughs> so he scores. We're going, we're going at, oh, and a German one too. Mm. Um, so we're just going absolutely crazy. And, you know, there's maybe a dozen people in there. And so, I mean, you saw, I think, the picture that I posted with me, you know, taking down the, the Cuban cigar 
<laughs> post match <laughs> kind of encompasses how I like the unbelievable high that all LFC fans were yeah. were on after that match. Yeah, I mean, uh that moment when when Van Dyke uh when Van Dyke scores couldn't even be ruined by Martin Tyler's uh <laughs> Vicodin induced performance um in commentary. It it's one of those matches that made me really want to do the alternate because uh he really is I and I've noticed this, I I, I put it on Twitter, but Martin Tyler, um just listening to old clips, um, like big moments for Liverpool. Uh Martin Tyler is very enthusiastic when Liverpool are playing City, Chelsea uh, Arsenal. Um, oh, so you're doing your homework on Martin. Uh, Tottenham. Tottenham, he was pretty enthusiastic. Um, and then anywhere in Europe, you know, anywhere that they're playing anybody uh, not English, um, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's over the moon. Against Everton and against United, I don't know what it is, um, but for whatever reason, I mean, I know a lot of people say, you know, Tyler's a mank and all this stuff. Um, and it probably didn't help that a large majority of his um, broadcast career was, you know, Alex Ferguson's reign at United. Um, so, but he, he is, there is like a clear bias uh, towards, <laughs> towards Everton and United. And it's just, all you have to do is listen to the, is, is watch the highlights and hear the reaction to Sigurdsson's equalizer and Van Dyke's winner. <laughs> and it's, I, I mean, it's impossible to deny at that point. It's, it really is like, it's I, not even a joke anymore. No, it's just, it's just real. It, it's blatant. <laughs> it it's is. blatant. Um, so, but not even that could, could ruin that moment. Um, I, I had just made it home from work, uh, with about 15 minutes ago. So I had gotten the notification while driving home that Sigurdsson had equalized. Uh, cause I actually saw the, the penalty at work. Um, and, uh, which we'll talk about the penalty in a little bit. <laughs> How fitting. Oh, yeah, absolutely amazing. Um, You're going to give credit and praise to Lalana, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> it, we'll, we'll get to Lalana. I've got a lot uh, to say there. But, um, but I had seen the penalty at work. I made it, ju- I made it home just in time you know, for the last 15 minutes. Um, and I, I didn't even dare to like, walk away from the TV to get to get changed out of uniform. Um, cause I was, I was, uh, I was glued to the TV cause I was, I, I just, I was convinced that we were going to win. I, when the, when the equalizer went in, you know, with about 20 minutes left, um, to me, that was too early for Everton <laughs> too soon. Yeah. They, I mean, they left us too much time to get the winner. Um, and, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, Virgil, Virgil had a good game. There was a moment early on, uh, where Belasi got, got past him and I was very concerned <laughs> that he was going to get, you know, mugged and, and then immediately be blamed for, uh, conceding. Uh, luckily Robertson and, um, and, uh, Matip, uh, you know, helped, helped him out, which I think is the, probably the biggest thing that we need uh in the defense you know is just that yeah. organization and and knowing when to uh when to aid your counterparts um 
But, uh, but yeah, so Virgil, I mean, getting the winner at the cop end, it, it, it's literally a dream start to his, to his career, uh, at Liverpool. And I mean, people are saying his $75 million fees paid off or 75 million pound fee is paid off with a, with a Derby win. And I, I don't, I don't, you know, begrudge, <laughs> I don't begrudge them that, uh, but certainly, certainly he's got a lot more to prove, um, from here on out, but early signs suggest, uh, he could be just an absolutely great signing. So with that, all that being said, who, who was your best performer in the, in the Derby? I'm very interested in who you're going to pick because I think it's going to be the wrong answer. Um, cause I've seen a lot, <laughs> I've seen a lot of the wrong answers going around on LSE Twitter. The, the best performer was Van Dyke. He had every single reason that we bought Van Dyke for 75 million, everything that we'd been missing, he came in and he performed to a T every time that, when was the last time that we had <laughs> successive corners or multiple corners where you felt confident that, cause what he had a missed, a missed chance header. He had another he, one he that, he had that, that came close. <laughs> he could have had a hat trick <laughs> against, <laughs> against that. Like every, he was a threat every time. Uh, you mentioned Belasi. Belasi, I, I felt was pretty much up for it. Um, but that's what you got other defenders around there for, right? You can't right. just be one, but Van Dyke was uh, just unbelievable with interceptions, tackles, aerial duels, which is where we struggle the most. He was unbelievable. So Van Dyke's the right answer. And if you say anything different um, <laughs> then you and the rest of LSC Twitter are, are all idiots. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to begrudge anyone. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I voted, you know, when, when Liverpool said who, who was your, you know, man of the match, it, it was Van Dyke. He, he scored the winner. Um, the one goal that was, that, that was given up was, was on the counter. It was a, a great finish from Sigurdsson who, um, I hate that he's on Everton cause I, I don't hate him as a player. Um, yeah, that's true. I do, I do now, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, that goal from Sigurdsson, uh, you know, preventable in earlier stages, but not necessarily preventable. Uh, once it's once it's at his feet, it's. It, I mean, he yeah. he shaped he shaped up. He he puts it in the bottom corner. Not a lot you can do about it on the counter, but um. So Van Dyke, a hundred percent the man of the match. There's no there's no real debating that. Uh, but the player who I was most pleased with, um, in terms of their, in terms of their contribution, uh, I think is Robertson, um. And it, it's a continuation of, of a few performances now from, from Andrew Robertson that, uh, you know, Moreno's been out injured. Moreno had been essentially backed as the, you know, the starter um, this season from Klopp, uh, you know, 180-degree reversal from his stance on Moreno <laughs> last season, which was he's nowhere near the pitch. Um, but, uh, you know, after Moreno started the season fairly well, it looked like Robertson wasn't really even getting – a look in the team. And now each time, each time that he plays, um, I'm pretty pleased with how he's done. Um, he, there is definite improvement, uh, that can come from Robertson, but he's done well defensively. And I would say eight out of 10 of his deliveries, uh, into the box, you know, in the attacking third are, are quality. And he, he was a, 
decent reaction save away from from burying a uh, a close range shot. Um, oh yeah, in the last few minutes of the derby as well, after a really nice move um, to get past, uh, I think it was Belasi who was back defending him, which may have been a, a mismatch a little bit. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think Robertson's performance, oh. uh, has just added to the last few matches where I've been really pleased with his, with his contribution across the board. He hasn't been, uh, you know, earth shattering. He hasn't been, um, a revelation at left back, but he's certainly been, uh, a very good, uh, addition to the squad. And in terms of, you know, his contribution versus Moreno, I don't absolutely shit my pants every time that <laughs> he's back defending. Um, whereas Moreno, I just, I don't trust him as much. Um, yeah. As I, as I've come to trust Robertson due to what he's shown us over the last few matches. It's like you said, the confidence that we have with Coutinho, with Salah, it's the exact opposite. It's the dread of <laughs> of Moreno and some of our Lovren. other defenders in one-on-one <laughs> situations. But I, I knew you were going to say Robertson, and yeah. you you weaseled out of it well by saying the performance you were most pleased with. Um, <laughs> but, but no, I think Van Dyke to me was the man of the match, but Robertson – Everything you said was 100% true, and that's the one that I saw a lot online of, of yeah. people saying Robertson, the man of the match. No. Um, cause he could, because if, if you think early on, Everton went directly at him. Yeah. Like, make no mistake, that was their game plan mm-hmm. to take him on directly, and he was up for it every single time. Yeah. Um, because I, uh, that's what I, I said before the match. I was like, I'm interested to see if Everton's going to come out like they did in our previous fixture, or if they're actually going to try to take it to us somewhat like they did versus United. Right. And it, it was a little bit more like United where they actually, they were going for something they were. Um, and not just the, I called it just go ass up and hope it doesn't hurt too much, <laughs> but <laughs> it was a trying to, trying to take it to it to get a result. Maybe it's just cause it was the FA cup, right. but no, I Robertson to me, all of the things that you describe, he's basically, what he's been for us so far, maybe not quite as good defensively, but he's kind of like Klein, mm-hmm. but with a <laughs> but with a better delivery right. into the area. Yeah, because he's he's defensively sound. He doesn't he doesn't wow you, but that's kind of what you need <laughs> from defenders, right? Like right. when we think about Moreno, his best qualities we say going forward, even though. I'm still not that sold on Moreno going forward. Um, <laughs> but one of his best qualities is tracking back <laughs> to, to make up for lost position to, right. you know, sprint back 40 yards and make, make a tackle. Right. If you're already in that position, it's not as flashy, but it's more beneficial to the team. Right. Um, so Robertson to me, I think he is uh, same. Even if uh, I don't even want to talk about Klein, but yeah, <laughs> same as if Klein came back tomorrow, I, yeah, I think Gomez has earned has earned that spot. Even though I said I'm a little bit nervous about him, I think he's earned that spot, even with his his a few drawbacks that he's had. But for Robertson, I don't think there's any debate. Like, why? It's the same thing for advocating for for Trent. Like, why sacrifice defensive ability in this squad whenever <laughs> whenever we don't necessarily need attack? Um, right. And we want to be flexible, but no, Robertson, you were spot on. Robertson was incredible. Uh, yeah, I mean, and even looking at Gomez in in his few, because he is, you know, more defensively solid um, 
in terms of his natural ability, he's not an attacking, you know, he's not yeah. a wing back or anything like that. Um, but even the few times that we've seen Gomez get into attacking situations, he actually does have um, a little bit about that. Uh, you know, he's been good. Yeah. He, I've been he, surprised. He, he's been pretty good with his deliveries and, and his, his movement off the ball is actually pretty impressive um, for a guy who's not a natural attacker and, and, you know, is more or less a, a center back um, who's been playing right back for us. Um, but yeah, so I, I think when we look at our fullbacks um, and maybe we can talk about this more when we look at uh, look ahead to city, um, but our, our fullbacks have been, well, down the right, it's been that, you know, have Gomez has had a couple of moments where he's just shown that, that inexperience or that, uh, that little bit of, of room to learn. Um, yeah. And, and it's cost us a couple of times. Um, we've seen it, you know, we've seen it plenty from Moreno, but. I think that's Robertson's biggest upside is he doesn't really switch off um, ever defensively. I've, I haven't seen a moment where I where I think, oh, Robertson like isn't uh, isn't in the right position or you know should have gotten to that or you know he he always seems to be uh, in a spot to to make an intervention or, or stop an attack um, and uh, you know chooses his spots to get forward really well which Moreno is notoriously bad at um, where he breaks forward just at the moment we lose the ball. Mm, um, yeah. Whereas Robertson never seems to be caught that far up the field. Um, uh, and the, the couple of times he has, um, I think it was, I think it was once uh, Vinaldum came on this last game, he got caught up the field once and Everton tried to counter in behind, but Jeannie, Jeannie was tracking back um, to help him out. So, Maybe that's, I mean, maybe that's the, maybe that's part of it too, is if we want our fullbacks to attack, we need them to, uh, we need that cover out of midfield as well. Yeah. And even looking forward, looking towards City too, I think that's something that Wijnaldum can, can give us in the midfield because that, he's, <laughs> it's frustrating to talk about Wijnaldum because he, what we purchased him, he was a, a winger, central attacking mid for the most part. And he's played, like we said before, he's played center back more than he's played in attacking positions. Right. But that for the lack of, you know, aggressiveness that he has to receive the ball, to distribute the ball, to provide goals or assists, he does fill space. He does track really well. Uh, probably better, he and Lalana probably better than Chan and Henderson, who are our two, who are two defensive, <laughs> more defensive-minded midfielders. Um, right. So looking looking towards City, I think we know we know what our attack can do, but now especially with Coutinho absent, it really becomes a question of what does the shape of our midfield look like. And uh, and also too in terms of defensive stability, I think Robertson is best. But is it who do who? What does our back line look like against City, which is going to be even when they pounded us <laughs> early in the season? <laughs> you know, they're arguably in, in better form now. So those are the two kind of lingering questions that we have. 
Yeah, so so with all that being said, the uh the one outstanding issue from from the the win against Everton uh was the midfield. So we we talk about we talk I was gonna ask the question of who our who our worst performer was, but was it even an individual <laughs> or was it just a whole unit uh in the center of the park? No, I think there's one there's one answer to who our worst performer was. <laughs> and we both we both know the answer. And yeah. you couldn't be more as much as you love Roberto Firmino, mm-hmm. you equally hate Adam Lallana. <laughs> so I'm sure the fact that we got a win, got a result, and Lallana had a I don't know, man, maybe his worst game. <laughs> maybe his worst game <laughs> for the club. Um he was miserable. Yeah. He was truly miserable. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really don't, I really don't take a lot of joy <laughs> in, in Adam Alana being, being absolutely shit for us. Um, because at the end of the day, you want the players that are on the pitch to perform like, and regardless of agenda. And I, I mean, I, I was very vocal in his initial, uh, time at Liverpool of how much I really didn't think that highly of him. Like he really didn't show me that all that much, um, when he came to the team. But then last year, uh, I've been on record and people can go to the tapes. They can go, (laughs) go into the archives and and hear me talk about it. Uh, but I, I am on record as as saying I was wrong about Lalana and that he, you know, he's turned it around and his, uh, you know, he's contributing in the final third and he's, uh, pressing and, uh, his footwork is actually, you know, creating opportunities and all this stuff. And there is an episode, you know, last year where I, where I, you know, ate, ate my crow, uh, you know, and, and said, um, you know, swallowed my pride and, and said, you know, Lalana has been a different player, but, and and I'm not going to necessarily blame even, Lalana for this performance, but in his two games that he started since uh, since his injury, which was Burnley and Everton, he has been, in my opinion, horrible. Like nowhere near uh, how he was uh, before the injury. At, towards you know last season, he was leaps and bounds better than the player that I've seen running around with the ridiculous long hair and the headband um, <laughs> like he's playing in Syria ah, in friggin' 1993. Um, <laughs> I, I just, his, his whole game has to me, and I, I tweeted this, he's reverted um, to how he was before his injury. So um, the biggest part uh of Lalana's game and the, and the biggest contribution that he's going to be asked to do is he's going to be asked to be that guy who is the transition from defending to attack. So whether he's winning the ball back in midfield or whether, you know, it's Chan or Henderson winning it deeper and, and moving it to him, he is that guy who, who provides that link between defense and attack. And every time in in the Burnley game or in the Everton game that we transitioned from defending to attacking and Lalana was involved there was a significant uh decline in the quality 
of the attack. He's not, um, I think to me, like the biggest differentiator is, is on the counter. Uh, Lalana is absolutely not the guy that I want involved in it. Um, no, he, I don't know because when Lalana was thriving, we weren't a counterattacking team. We were, I mean, and we're still, I'm not comfortable saying that we're a full on counterattacking team no. because that, that provides like, you know, like the Mourinho, you know, English style oh, sitting back and yeah, countering. Yeah. We're, you know, we're foot on the gas, high press and then force turnovers to counter. Yeah, of course. And that's what Lalana thrives at. But we have been a little bit more, I don't know, I'll guess I'll just say standoffish, more reserved in our pressing this season so that we can spring Mane and Salah on the attack. And I haven't seen anything from what Lalana's shown us the past two games where Coutinho would pick out a 30, 40 yard ball and hit him in stride. And right. Lalana will pick it up, he'll he he'll dribble for a while, but it just it slows everything down. Yeah. But not just that, against Everton, why he was so bad was how frequently he gave away possession, oh, especially, yeah. I think, in the first half. And if that happens against City, it's going to be another five-goal blowout. It'll, yeah, it'll be a mess. Like, you just you – have to, you have to have somebody that's just a little bit more calm-minded that can operate as quickly as the pace of the game but doesn't seem to rush. Everything about Lalana seems like when you're playing, like, all-out attack on FIFA and you're just, like – you know, smashing square to tackle and then trying to release a through ball. Like it, it I don't know. I, we need to give him time to get back from in, injury, but I don't, it, the gold tally assist tally, he had a good run last season, but he's never, it's kind of like a team. He's never been the player that everybody kind of makes him out to be. Yeah. I mean, for me, Lalana is that guy. I mean, when we saw him as at his, you know, best, last season it was he was converting the 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 neat little touches and turns that he normally was executing in the mid you know in the center of the field um and you know away from either from either uh penalty area he was now using those in advanced positions to create opportunities so you know, if he takes if he takes a nice touch uh, on I, and it's actually the game um, the the first game where I I really thought okay maybe Lolana's turned a corner for us was was the game against City immediately following the League Cup final, um, so we lost the League Cup final on penalties uh, and then played City. Uh, that week, uh, you know, the following week, yeah, um, and smashed them. Uh, I think it ended up four nothing. Uh, we have that weird way of blowing out city from time <laughs> to time. Um, and uh, and Lalana assisted Firmino on the third goal, and it was a touch past a player, um, and like making an intelligent decision not to pass, and. To, to beat the player first and then to release the ball to Firmino creates the opportunity for Firmino to, to curl it into the, into the corner. And, and that's like, to me, that is where Lalana, Lalana's skill set is useful if he d- 
does it in and around the penalty area to create space or create opportunities, but it's not useful when he's trying to Cruyff turn in our own half and then <laughs> loses possession to the other team. Cause if he does it in, if he does it in, you know, in and around the, the opponent's box, if it doesn't work, okay, fine. But if it does, then it's an automatic, you know, he's automatically creating an opportunity for someone else or for himself. Um, and we've seen him do it in the past. He's definitely capable of it. Um, but I just, I just don't know. Watching him play these last two games has been frustrating on the same level that he was when he first came to the club. Of every time he's got the ball in an advanced position, I'm like, well, this attack is over, um, because he's either going to lose the ball or he's gonna he's not going to pick the right the right option to um, to create the chance and that at the end of the day, that that's all that matters. Um, and, and maybe with time, uh, it'll be better, but I just, I think about a player and, and maybe, maybe it's because he's a little bit older and, and the injury, but in the Everton match towards the end of the game before Van Dyke's winner and, and thank God he came up with it, but before the winner, he's in a foot race with Phil Jagielka of all people <laughs> onto a ball. There is no one else. It is Jagielka is the last line of defense. And if an attacking minded midfielder for Liverpool can't beat Jagielka in a foot race <laughs> and has to take the shot on first time from like 30 yards. Cause he thinks he's going to get caught. No, not for me. Like, yeah. That- There's no, I think Oxley Chamberlain is such He's such an upgrade right now on Lalana because he'll do. I think everything that Lalana brings to the table, Ox can do do that much better. He's got more pace to him. He's as creative as Lalana can be with his footwork. Ox is more direct, but he actually gets by people. You know, when yeah. when Lalana Cruyff turns, he's not necessarily creating that much space for him. So I think Ox provides the the drive. And everything that we need from that side of the midfield, but we're pretty thin in terms of our <laughs> midfield right now, aren't we? For a midfield three, we don't have. We're struggling in terms of options. So, I would. I I hope Wijnaldum is. I think he's fully fit, and I him Chan, and and Ox would be. That would be my midfield three. Yeah. So so moving to the to the city preview. So we we've gone away from the from the derby but um looking ahead to city if that's not the starting midfield on on Klopp's team sheet you know barring barring injury for for any of the players um he's nuts I think uh, like I it it has to be Oxlade Chamberlain Vinaldum and Chan in that midfield three um because I I don't see Lalana giving us anything um you know he's got plenty of energy plenty of ability in winning the ball back um but beyond that uh I think Vinaldum and and Ox uh in the more advanced uh midfield you know the more pure central midfield roles with Chan yeah in that in that uh you know kind of six ish role that we play um 
I, I, I think that's the, the only choice. I, I'm 100% in agreement with you because uh, I, I think Lalana is a liability against that midfield um, because you have plenty of players in that midfield for City um, who, one, are performing much better this season than uh, they have in the past. Uh, Fernandinho springs to mind of a player who never impressed me and, and now is, you know, ever present in a, in a team that yeah. is, is uh, running away with the league. Um, but Gundogan is, is probably, you know, now that he's over his injuries, he's the, he's the guy that um, is that kind of engine in midfield for them. And if he's, if he's winning the battle with uh, whoever's paired with him in midfield, if it's, you know, if it's Oxley Chamberlain or if it's Lana, um, if he's winning that battle, then, then we're at a severe disadvantage. Um, so I, I, I don't think you hate city for, <laughs> I, I you got Fernandinho in the form of a season and I'll bring Gunwan back yeah. now that he's healthy yeah. off the bench. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's God. Yeah. City are such a frustrating team this year because, of just they seem to always find a way um i thought they were getting knocked out of the fa cup and we could at least avoid all this bullshit talk of a quadruple by pep but um, <laughs> I, I was really hoping it that goes on. when it was when it was one nil that that city would come in a little you know kind of limping into into our match but then uh, and gunawan was unbelievable like linking up with aguero like yeah. that that back heel was yeah it was every everything that i said i was terrified about in terms of gomez and chan and our ability to defend you know kind of one two simple one two balls that's not simple that's not simple no. one two that's no, that's either. otherworldly so that that had me terrified and i don't know you know we used to go into every single match with confidence but this city team is so good and we should be on a high after the the derby, but with with Coutinho leaving, we're thinking, okay, where who fills that hole in terms of creativity and giving us some control over the midfield? Which, if we don't have that against City, we're we're just doomed. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think uh, I think with uh, with us talking about that midfield, it's it's absolutely vital that that Chan is is getting into the passing lanes um and avoiding or uh you know preventing those killer balls from uh from deeper with Gundogan and and De Bruyne um but we've talked we've talked defense um and I think we all know that that Robertson is is the choice at left back um on the run he's on now I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go back to Moreno. Um, I don't know if he's fit yet, but, um, even if he were, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop Robertson on the, on the run that he's been on. But in that right back spot, um, if you had your choice against city between Trent and, and big Joe Gomez, who are you going for? I I gotta go Gomez purely from in, in spite the two struggles for Gomez I've seen are this one, the, the very clear, not keeping track, not keeping track of his man letting, I think wasn't one was one against Aguero or was that, 
Or was uh, that Arsenal? No, no, no. And City, in, yeah. when they routed us, yeah. just switched off, let Aguero in. Um, yeah. I think it was Aguero. But so that that one's the blatantly obviously one that we can easily fix. The other one I think is something that a lot of our defense struggles with. Um, I don't know about Van Dyke and Matip, but just simple, just one two balls in the final third, and just watching Arsenal Gomez and he was partnered. Maybe it was because he was partnered with Lovren. I don't know. It they he just really kind of struggled. But even with that being said. Uh, Trent's Trent's been a little bit shaky in one-on-one situations, I think. Um, so I don't know. Gomez has just been really solid defensively. So against City, I think that's that's what we need. We're not going to need deep overlapping wing play, which I think City relies on so much as we'll be able to hit them with with our front three and maybe a midfielder joining in on the counter. So I think that's where we get our goals from. So for that reason, I say the same thing that he did what against Everton, right? Stick with Gomez at the start. If it's we need a little bit more attack-minded presence, then bring uh, Trenton off the bench. Yeah, uh, I I think you're I think you're right on because with City's fullbacks being so involved going forward, and especially I mean uh, strictly the personnel that they're using too um, as, as their fullbacks. I mean Fabian Delph has played left back for City this year. <laughs> so I, Who's the new guy that they were playing in the FA Cup? I don't know if he's a new guy, but... Oh, they have... I'm, well, because Kyle Walker was out. Um, they had someone... He came off the bench, right? They had someone else... Yeah, they had someone else playing at right back. I can't remember. Because they had someone else in midfield, too, who t- totally fooled me. Um, they had, like, a Ukrainian who... Uh, I definitely thought it was Kevin De Bruyne for the first like, thirty minutes. <laughs> no, that was their that was their left back. Zinchenko. Yeah, such as a such as a pep team where you get confused between <laughs> central midfielders. Who's a, and... who's a left back and who's a central midfielder? Yeah, no kidding. Um, oh, okay, yeah. So Zinchenko was that guy. Um, doubt we'll see. Doubt we'll see any of Pep's youth products um, in the league. But uh, I I will say that. Um, for us, getting in behind, it's it's going to essentially be a battle of um, both teams looking for that space in behind the fullbacks um, when either team is going forward. So obviously for us, you know, it's Salah and Mane um, trying to exploit that space uh, while going the other way, it's, it's Sané and Sterling, which is plenty... Difficult for the <laughs> commentators to uh, to deal with between Sane and Mane, um, but well, of course, Sane is now finding found his goal scoring form after you know a thousand minutes or so without a goal. Yeah, no, of course he has, and uh, yeah. So, so going into City, um, they've been heaped with praise all season, and rightly so. They're, I mean, they're top of the Premier League by by some margin, but. Do you think that Liverpool have it in them to to break City's winning streak or unbeaten streak? Oh, 100%. We know <laughs> I I kind of wish it was at at the end now <laughs> rather than at the start of the year cuz we've been so good away from home. But no, I mean I think a lot of things I, I hate saying one thing I will say is that the fact that Jesus is out 
um, is it Jesus or is it Jesus? I, the I British think always because, say Jesus, I think but I just don't feel right pronouncing that J. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's, I think it's a Brazilian thing because it's in uh, in Portuguese. It's not a it's not a soft soft J. Not the soft J. Okay, yeah. I'm still I'm still getting caught up with my Spanish. So Portuguese is a long way away. So Jesus, but <laughs> the fact because those the front two of Aguero and Jesus at the uh, the last time we played. Yeah was just too much our center backs couldn't cope. And I think it was Moreno playing at the time. I'm not sure. I believe but so, But yeah. that's just – that was a recipe for disaster. Um, but it's hard to to use that match as, <laughs> as a predictor for how we should line up because right. you really can only go off of what? Maybe the first half yeah. before the red card because right. the, the game completely flipped and then when he brought Salah off, it was all, – all hope was lost. Yeah. Um, but that, I think, is a benefit. Them not being able to form a front two, I think, is going to help us, uh, especially the way that with, with our defense works is that maybe with Van Dyke it's different, but that's just whether it's John Joe Shelby or David Silva just piercing a through ball between our center backs. <laughs> um, but but that's the other. I, it's unfortunate because I think Silva, Silva may still be out. Right, because he had his his the the birth of their child was was premature. So, um, if that's the case, I, I hope he's playing. I hope it's just two two squads at at, at full strength being able to go at it. Right. Um, but no, if either of those players are out, it's it's a huge boost for for Liverpool. But granted, we also just lost our most creative player to uh, right. <laughs> to the transfer. So, but no, I. The streak has to end at some point, and so I don't think there's any any other team that City scares me. There's no, there's not many teams, no other team in the Premier League, not many other teams in the world. Do I think we, we you know, we've got a tough task against aside from Sevilla now, but <laughs> City, City are terrifying with yeah. the form with the form that they're in. Um, but I think at the same hand, I think Pep has always kind of feared has feared Klopp and I think he definitely fears and and respects this Liverpool team. And I think that's why sometimes it's a very, it's not always as open as we'd expect from a city Liverpool lineup. Cause I think there's just that level of respect. Um, but no, if any city can, can just demolish anybody. If there's one team in the premier league that I think's up for it, it, it's definitely Liverpool. Yeah. And I mean, it's two unbeaten streaks smashing against each other, um, right now. So, I mean, it could end in a draw, and both could both, <laughs> both could uh, continue. But I really do think that that it you know it's uh, this is a, a big opportunity for for this Liverpool team to to really cement uh, their current form and uh, the way that they've battled for these last few wins. Uh, it hasn't been the because essentially, I mean, we were getting used to a Liverpool team that if you either scored, you know, three, four, five, six goals, uh, or it was a draw or a loss. Like we're not <laughs> yeah. used, we're not used to, uh, you know, you, we're either dominant or we're shit. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm getting used to this idea of a Liverpool team that can win close games, that can, you know, we're back to the uh, days where we could actually grind out a win versus having to dazzle, you know, to, uh, in order to get a win. So 
that type of grit combined with the quality uh, that we have in attack, um, I think this is a very different Liverpool team than City faced uh, earlier this season at the Etihad. Um, and as long as we can keep everybody on the pitch, I think I, I think that Liverpool really have a shot uh, at ending that unbeaten run uh, for City. Um, they are terrifying. It'll be a really nervous 90 minutes, I think. Um, <laughs> but there have been times where where I've thought that we're a much weaker side than City and we've gone out and handled them uh, pretty pretty easily. So we'll see uh, which teams show up in a week. But um, I think for the first time we'll have, you know, for the first time in about a month, we'll have uh, a rested squad that is, <laughs> yeah. is somewhat fresh for the game. Um, do you think that, do you think that benefits either side um, having about a, a full week to, to prep for this game? I, I, I think it'll be just beneficial to, to everybody having a, I'm interested to see if the, what the Jurg's taken the, the boys to Dubai yeah. <laughs> so I'm interested I'm interested to see how that narrative might factor into anything cuz you know no matter what decision he makes there's uh uh Twitter punditry are always going to come out with with an opinion on it. Oh, um, of course. But no, I think we it, it's two really similar teams in terms of the level, the intensity, the, the just the oppressing they're not the oppressing <laughs> the pressing <laughs> it, it can feel oppressing to the other team, but <laughs> Just the way that they're structured, I think, I, yeah, they're both going to benefit from the time off, but you know, uh, probably not one, one more so than the other. I think the fact that Salah and Mane won't be making a, you know, six thousand mile round trip to Africa and back um, would <laughs> will definitely <laughs> help. Um, so no, we'll we'll see. I think I I like it because it's too. For the most part, pretty fit team. City's City's injury record is probably a little worse than ours, but two, you know, there's no really excuses for either team to say, you know, we didn't have a strong eleven, um, and they've got plenty of time to prep. So, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think I think that's probably the biggest thing for me is just both teams are uh, are going to be at their peak quality um, due to the due to the you know, extended break of, you know, six or seven days between matches. <laughs> a whole um, week. Yeah. I, uh, I think, um, I think we've seen, and, and even from, you know, uh, Liverpool against Everton and, and, uh, and city against, against Burnley in the, in the FA cup, you saw, you know, two teams that are, that were kind of stretched, um, for the amount of uh, the amount of minutes that they'd been putting in, and yeah. like you said, Mane getting back from Ghana and and uh, you know less than less than twenty four hours before uh, kickoff against Everton and and going out and uh, and and putting in a shift out there, it's uh, it's a totally different situation um, coming at uh, but these two teams coming up against each other. At uh, what should essentially amount to 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 full fitness in terms of the available players, um, I 
assume that Sala will be fit uh, for this match because if he's not, obviously that that changes things quite <laughs> significantly. Yeah. Um, for Liverpool, because if I I swear to God, if I see Lalana in the front three, I will literally like. <laughs> I'd take him in the front three over the midfield against City. So, yes. But I would also put our, like, our... <laughs> I wouldn't take a uh, over... Uh, I wouldn't take the over on, on goals scored if he's in the front three. Um, that's, that's <laughs> no, all, yeah. That's all I would say. Um, but it's better that he stops attacks in the final third <laughs> than gives away possession in, in the, the middle, middle of the pitch. Yeah, of course. Um, so... Yeah, with with that game still, a, I mean, seemingly a ways away based on how much, uh, how much football we've been spoiled with recently. Um, we we talked about the award. Sala actually did uh, claim African Footballer of the Year, uh, well deserved from Mo. Um, can't really imagine another player winning it, even with the seasons that uh, Mane and. Uh, Aubameyang had um, Salah capping off a quite incredible 2017 in which he uh, had a great season for Roma, uh, took Egypt to the World Cup, and now is uh, you know up amongst the top scorers in the Premier League and absolutely firing on all cylinders for Liverpool. Um, I uh, you know just think it's. Uh, well-deserved recognition for a player that has done nothing but impress uh, Liverpool fans in both his quality on the pitch and his demeanor um, in handling all of the kind of craziness in his um, meteoric rise ever since he, <laughs> ever since he left uh, ever since he left Chelsea. <laughs> Um, so congrats to Mo Salah for that. I know he won't listen to this, but I still feel like he should hear that. Um, yeah, if we break into LFC Egypt, then true, then we know the hits will come. True. Yeah. Um, so it's been it's been great to been great to watch him this season and and well deserved uh, to win African Footballer of the Year. Um, and it will be exciting to see him in the second half of this season as well as this summer at the world cup. I know with the, with the U S not making it, um, you know, my ancestral home of Germany will get most of my, <laughs> will get most of my attention, but Egypt will definitely be up there. Um, as well as, uh, as well as Senegal for, for Mane. So it'll be fun to watch this summer, but, um, let's see with, we've talked Bobby, we've talked, Salah, what about Sadio Mane? I I know this isn't on our outline at all, but Sadio Mane is probably. I'm so confused by by Liverpool Twitter so often, um, <laughs> but not nothing has puzzled me more um, as. And and we talked in uh, <laughs> we we talked before the show about uh, via text about the some of the opinions coming out of Liverpool Twitter. So we didn't, we didn't cover a couple of those, but I think the two most absurd were what, uh, Oh, Lalana is a, is a Coutinho replacement already. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just, 
for anyone there, listening If to that's this, the case, there goes the season. Yeah, exactly. Uh, top four, <laughs> any type of Champions League run, any type of cup run. Yeah. At this, it's all... At this point, like, hope that we don't, you know, fall out of the top half of the league, if that's the... <laughs> um, Lolana, Lolana is... For all that we've said about Lolana, you can probably gather that he's not a, a fitting replacement for one of the best attacking midfielders in in the sport. Um, but moving on from that, this what was the other one? Oh, uh, Van Dyke's partner in in defense. So oh god, <laughs> what <laughs> is? As confused as I was about the the Chan the Henry John contract standoff, yeah, I I saw all these polls floating around with people. It's not even a question. First off, it's not even a question. And second off, if it comes down to who our center back partnership would be, so many people said Lovren. Some would even <laughs> say Clavin, and I'm. I wanted to break every, whether it's iPad, my phone, I wanted to break everything that I had because it, we don't learn. We don't, it's like, oh yeah, Lovren's had a couple good games. Minilay's had a couple good games. Uh, even Moreno, they've had a couple good games. Catastrophe, catastrophe waiting to happen. Yeah. And why? <laughs> I uh, just, oh, there are, I, there, I, I was angered. There angered are accounts that, that I've seen and, and not, these are not like troll accounts. These are not, uh, these are not, you know, the four follower, uh, accounts that just go around riling people up. Like these are accounts that are on yeah, Twitter. Big boys. Like, yeah. I mean, 10, 20, 30,000 followers that are actively saying that Matip has been poor this season. <laughs> and not even that it was, so they would reference like, you know, goals against with, with center back pairings. Okay. <laughs> yeah, good stat. That's my, I mean, ish. Um, it's, a, but it's, it's a good stat adjacent, but yeah, I mean, that takes into account, you know, the, you know, the thrashings that we've had too. And one of them, he's like, Matip was so poor against, was it, was it city when we got decimated? And it yeah. was the initial attacks came from the left side of the pitch. And then subsequently it was just, a the entire team just caving in right it calmly ignoring the fact <laughs> that the other catastrophic game that we had against spurs loverin was put in one of the worst performances by a defender that i've seen well actually uh holding now <laughs> holds that title he's, from his fa cup performance yeah he's up there. but i it, it's just i don't know there are so many stupid people in the world and I had hoped that they didn't, they weren't Liverpool fans, but you know, yeah. such is life. Yeah, percentages go against us. The stats say that some will be Liverpool supporters. <laughs> and it, it really is baffling because the the Lovren, I mean, Lovren against Spurs, he was substituted by Klopp. The, <laughs> when have we ever seen one, that? Maybe the one guy who actually believes in him <laughs> dragged him off. After that, after that performance that he put in against Spurs, it was absolutely abysmal on every front. And since then, we've been a different team. Um, it happened only to Lovren and Moreno, right? Yeah, because Moreno was substituted against Sevilla. Yeah, this season, right? Yeah, yeah. Those are the only two I can think of that have actually been yanked. 
Yeah. It's, uh, it, I mean, it, it really is baffling. Some of the, some of the opinions, uh, that we see and, and it's something that it doesn't even really seem debatable. Everyone jokes, I think that, you know, watch when we buy, uh, Van Dyke, uh, his partner will, you know, he's here to replace Matip instead of Lovren. That's the, you know, that's the joke, um, going around, but that, you know, obviously our best pairing right now is, is Van Dyke and Matip. There's, there's really no debating it, but Klavan scoring that one goal now becomes, now <laughs> becomes like he's undroppable. Like Klavan is now undroppable. And, and, and I really do think that Klavan hasn't been bad in his, in his appearances this season. He's, he's done his job. He hasn't been, um, you know, he hasn't been really responsible for, you know, any of the, the big glaring errors, but Matip and, and Van Dyke is a, I, I mean, they're far no, away. No, yeah. It's not, at it's, least I'll give credit while, while we're ranting about things that we hate about Twitter, <laughs> what I probably hate the most and credit to the, the LSE accounts, they're actually using polls to list multiple people. The thing that I hate the most yeah. on not just LFC Twitter, but all of Twitter is the tweet that says, let's finish this once and for all. Who's the better midfielder? Retweet for Gerard, favorite for Pogba. Oh, the ho- Not necessarily that too Absolutely carry, but horrid. <laughs> it's like the ultimate troll. Like, number one, there's a poll feature on Twitter. Use it. Right. Number two... And I feel like I shouldn't have to say this, but obviously (laughs) it is the exact opposite of ending that debate once and for all (laughs) by posting a retweet or favorite via Twitter, which will only fuel horrific debate between two sides of idiots. So that that is what I hate the most. The worst worst one that I saw was – it was either today or yesterday. I saw uh, who was the better number 14. Retweet (laughs) retweet for Lingard – like for Thierry Henry, <laughs> and there were more retweets. Like, are you well, because fucking joking? Like, when it used to when it used to pop up, you would put the person you want to win as the retweet, because exactly. obviously you want the more retweets. Yeah, like if LFC Twitter gets a hold of one of those polls and one person retweets it, then other Liverpool fans are going to see that. Exactly. I don't know if it's still as heavy with the favoriting now, but. No, that it, it it's just oh. it's crazy. Um, so with <laughs> so with that, some of the worst opinions that I've seen on Twitter relate to Sadio Mane. So oh oh yeah. So fan favorite of last season, probably our most important player in terms of uh, in terms of that cutting edge. You know that yeah. for so many years, like we've we've bl- been blunt against uh, teams like uh, you know the Hulls and the you know going back even further the the Boltons and the Blackburns like like those teams that just are willing to sit back the Big Sam bullshit of <laughs> pack the box and just and just hope for the best. Um, we've we've really lacked that and and the the one player over the last you know couple of seasons who's really provided that edge aside from from I guess Coutinho is, is Mane. So like Mane has yeah. been that guy to get in behind, 
um, or press or anything. Like he was the sweetheart of last season. Um, and now this season, all of a sudden, Salah is scoring loads of goals. Mane's been, <laughs> Mane makes one decision <laughs> against Everton in the, in, in the draw in the league. And everybody is ready to destroy him. Like everyone is lining up to just assassinate Mane's uh, character, uh, assassinate his ability, his decision-making. Like they're all, they were all more than willing to throw who was probably the most popular player of last season straight to the wolves. Um, And it's so embarrassing, like on so many (laughs) levels, it's, it's upsetting. It's embarrassing. It's, it, it, and it's horrible. And, uh, and, and I was so happy for him when sick as a dog, he smashes a ball into the top left corner with his left foot against Burnley just oh, to, the, as a giant so, middle what, finger. So Mane, Mane in poor form. <laughs> this, is, this is Mane, right? In, in, yeah. in the worst form of his career, yeah. according to LFC Twitter. Provides a back heel assist and an absolute golasso during his, during his poor form. Yep. And, and he's, you know, after the Burnley game, and you could even tell as he wheeled away uh, scoring that goal, you could tell that Mane wasn't, like something was going on. Yeah. Mane wheeling away from a strike like that. He's he's running to Klopp, he's running like <laughs> into the stands, like he's that like uh you wouldn't be able to keep him from celebrating. Well, and the worst he- take, the worst <laughs> take of all was that Mane <laughs> took the shot instead of squaring it up to Salah because he was jealous of all the goals that Salah scored. And I saw not many posts, not many posts about it, but enough to make me furious. And then at the award ceremony for the African player of the year, they apparently, from what I saw, apparently some journalist or something asked them about a rivalry between the two of them. So the, the worst parts of LSC Twitter have now, infected the thing that we love the most and that's LFC Twitter Egypt and (laughs) (laughs) journalists are now and of course they played it off because it's the the dumbest thing that I've probably heard all year yeah but I I don't want to say it's a new low for LFC Twitter because there have been so many but oh that was that was one of the worst takes uh for for a long time yeah and I, I think I think it's interesting because you know we get very few glimpses into um, into you know behind the curtain we get we don't know what's going on at the club we don't we don't hear you know the day to day we don't hear what you know one player is saying to another you know in conversation at the locker in the locker room um, so people fill in the gaps people want to know they don't know so they just make Shit. Yeah, like they, <laughs> it's I, I, bullshit. It is, it's like... and 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 so people people make it up um, because they they want to be that close. You know, they want to feel like they're that involved to know what's you know the dynamics between the players and who's friends and who's you know rivals yeah. and all this stuff. I think the biggest thing, the biggest indicator for me about how this team is together and how Klopp, you know reinforces kind of this this 
team um, mentality is when you know I think I think Re- Cristiano Ronaldo is probably the the clearest example, but we have seen when even for Liverpool in thirteen fourteen, um, you know when they were at their best, we saw instances where a player made a decision to take on a shot versus a pass or um, you know, something along those lines, like the clearest one for me was, uh, I think it was against Cardiff in, in 13, 14 Suarez was one-on-one takes the shot, gets his hat trick and Sterling's pissed. Cause he yeah. made a run out of midfield, like busted, busted his ass to get in a position to score would have had an easy tap in if he just rolls it across to him. And Suarez decides to shoot cause he's on a hat trick and he want, you know, he, he wanted the goal. Um, and so he wheels away. Sterling doesn't even follow him. Like Sterling didn't even go. So Sterling throws his hands up and is like pissed. Um, my, uh, the, the first idea I got of kind of the mentality of all these players is first Mane, when he came to the club, he's, co- he's copying when another player scores a goal, he's copying their celebration. Like as they do it, because he's like happy for him and just like wants to do, you know, he just like wants to be part of it, you know? Oh yeah. Um, and then we had, uh, this season, um, the game against Watford, which, you know, could have gone better, could have gone worse. Um, <laughs> Firmino, when Salah scored his, when Salah scored his first goal, Firmino goes for the chip and it, it's just maybe on target, maybe off, but Salah, you know, cuts in and, and makes, makes sure that it, that it goes in and gets the goal. Firmino isn't like, doesn't stop and say, oh man, like he took my goal away or anything like that. He runs straight over, big smile on his face. Oh yeah. Scream, you know, yelling, screaming. Like he's just thrilled that they've scored. And the same thing happened when Salah cut in against Maribor and kind of, you know, Firmino and Salah were there at the same time. Firmino didn't give a shit that he didn't get credited with the goal. Like that's, I think you can tell in the in the heat of the moment that instant reaction um what the team is thinking um and uh we don't see that that type of rivalry from from Mane or Sala no yeah there's nothing you know they they don't they're not there for that um and i know we're not cuz i think part they're all i mean think when you picture <laughs> Salah Mane Firmino do you not just like picture them with a huge grin, just a big <laughs> smile on their face? Like exactly. Like when I picture Aguero, you feel like you know, like strikers are these like menacing. People. They're all like kind of happy-go-lucky. Like there's yeah. just such unbelievable talents, and they all link up well. That you know, to to even that there's been absolutely no indication from anything that they've ever done. Even even that somebody was momentarily unhappy, like Sterling to be unhappy, even as Suarez scored, like you. That's that's okay. It's okay for other attackers to be upset when if they don't get the ball that they feel they should have because they were in a better position. Yeah. But and that's okay. That's what you want out of your attackers. But for for ours to be that like, you know, cutthroat, but still, I mean, I think Firmino kind of embodies all of it because he's such a creative, a generous attacking presence that 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 kind of sets the tone for the rest. Yeah. No, I totally agree, and that's a so, in, in uh, in terms of of bad rumors out of out of Liverpool Twitter, the the worst to me in terms of 
trying to damage somebody's character um, in as well as, you know, criticizing uh, their level of play is, is the rumor, you know, that Mane is, is jealous of solid. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's at, at once ridiculous, but you know, it, in terms of being malicious, it's, it's just, it, it, it's absolutely absurd uh, that anyone even remotely connected to the club would, would want to start something like that with one of probably, you know, last season he was arguably our best player and, um, and only his, you know, goal tally compared to Salah has even called that into question. Um, you know, if, if not for Salah, Mane would still be um, would still be that that level of important for the club and and the idea that we can rest or you know could rest Mane. I don't know that we can now that <laughs> Phil's gone. Um, no, but the but idea that we could um, and I, and get by is is a luxury and rather than something to look at as a as a negative. Um, because though both of those players now like Salah. And I think, I don't know if it was Pierce or somebody else at the club, kind of sent a reminder recently. Salah was brought in to kind of take the burden off Mane. And he's, not just Mane itself, but Salah's just been unbelievable. So it's not, you know, we don't live in this, you know, black and white world where it has to be one or the other. Like, that's good for everybody. Like, Mane doesn't necessarily, you know, you can only score so many goals, aside from what City's doing. But... (laughs) But that, I mean, he's both of those players are so important because the width is just whenever Mane was out last season, we didn't have any of that. And Mane, we can admit that he hasn't been, you know, firing on all cylinders like like he has before. But he's also been a lot more centralized on that left side. So I'm hoping against City. And if we've got Salah and we've got Mane on the other side, we, we go back to that just that that width that just spreads the pitch so much yeah. and allows them to be one-on-one and not crowded by by defenders too. Yeah. So, you know, these these two players it's not like, you know, two strikers up top like Sturridge and Suarez. They're they're two wingers, right? They're <laughs> it's yeah. really their job to to provide. Um and the goals that they score are going to be, you know, of of equal benefit. So, that that's what's so mind-boggling is that of, of any position it's it's almost like midfielders they they work in harmony one doing well is going to benefit the other exactly. so i can't even believe we're still talking about the, the <laughs> monitor because i i hated it so much i i yeah. saw it and i'm like if this if this starts to pick up some momentum i'm gonna lose my shit so <laughs> it didn't but then the, the one journalist said something about it and i was like oh god yeah no it's uh it, i i think it's I think it's utterly ridiculous. And, and like you said, um, you know, the fact that Salah has scored so many goals, the idea that, you know, if teams decide to try to take him out of the equation, now they've got, they still have Firmino and Mane that they have to stop. Um, and so if any team decides to, you know, try to take one player out of the game, it's only going to open up more opportunities for the others. So, yeah. Um, so I I I don't really understand the this yeah. I mean obviously the rivalry narrative is is utter horseshit. So there's no <laughs> There's no understanding. No. LFC it, Twitter. That we know. That that's the one thing we can understand though. But uh 
but yeah, so I mean, speaking of speaking of Twitter, this is a, a bit of a, a milestone episode for us because the two Red Gringos account just crossed a thousand followers somehow. So thank you to you guys who who do follow us on Twitter for our uh, absurd absurd rantings. And rantings. <laughs> yeah, a lot of shout outs. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, especially those uh, those guys who helped us out today. We did get across the. We're now like to a thousand and ten, so, um, so we've we've built a little bit of a buffer there. Uh, we won't be the yo-yo, uh, you know, the West Brom of uh, of <laughs> going above a thousand and then immediately below and then immediately <laughs> above. So, um, so we built a little buffer, but yeah, thanks to uh, to those few accounts who shouted us out. I think it was uh, Chicago OLSC our our good pals over there and then uh we had uh a couple of the other pods indie reds um shouted us out as well as uh talk of the terraces uh yeah so i like the idea of teaming up with um especially with the not just other pods but you know getting some some people from the ol the official uh, Liverpool supporters clubs and the, you know, like we've always done the, the non-official, uh, scattered around different cities too. So I'm hoping we can start pairing up with, uh, some, some more LSE fans, uh, from the U S and, you know, it's always good to get a, a different take. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, I, I think, um, for those who belong to, um, the supporters clubs around the country who are listening, just, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, reach out to us on Twitter. We're we're looking to. Um, I think we'll start with with Indy um, on the next one, but we'll start trying to line guys up, uh, guys and gals for the. Uh, um, try to feature one city uh, per episode. Um, there's loads of of Liverpool supporters across the country um, that, you know, a lot of the narrative in the last couple of seasons has been kind of anti foreign fans um and obviously we represent uh that that segment of the population so just understanding the the level of passion that's out there for the club as well as showcasing you know these different groups from across the country that uh do a lot of work to to support their club and are up early um and have uh you know sang and drank and cried along with all the <laughs> Liverpool supporters uh, from thousands around. of miles away. Yeah. And, and all uh, from, you know, pubs in their hometown. So uh, shout out to uh, Chicago LFC again um, for hosting, hosting Pat over the, uh, <laughs> uh, over the festive period. And then uh, also to uh, LFC Dallas, who um, I hung out with at the Londoner, for the uh, Leicester game. Um, oh, good spot. Yeah, good spot. And uh, the the only downside being the uh, Chelsea fans who were enjoying a comfortable win over Stoke while we were sweating out a close-fought win over Leicester. Um, the Chelsea fans in the back, uh, I really was hoping that Stoke would find uh, a, an odd win <laughs> there because... I can't stand Chelsea fans being happy, but, um, well, story for another night is the, 
the song that forced the Chelsea supporter out of a pub in uh, Chicago before the <laughs> before the <laughs> summer tour. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We'll uh, we'll have to touch on that when we have hopefully when we um, get, Chicago get Chicago guys involved. Yeah, um, but yeah, loads of loads of great groups uh, full of great people all over the country. So if you are part of a Liverpool supporters group, whether that be official or unofficial, um, go ahead and reach out to us on Twitter at two red gringos and, uh, and, and let us know you're interested and available. And, uh, we'll start involving the groups, uh, into the episodes. Cause I think it will be a good addition and, and some good, uh, integration of, of other Liverpool fans from, from far and wide. So, um, look out for that. Also, um, you can stay tuned with everything that's going on Two Red Gringos at Two Red Gringos on Twitter and then Two Red Gringos dot com um, mm-hmm. for all the episodes that you could possibly want. Um, this has been uh, this has been a big one for us. There's a lot happening. There's a lot so happening. Much, so much Highs happening. and lows. Highs and lows. But uh, performances-wise, you know, hopefully it stays on the up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've, I've just just seen a stat uh, not too long ago that Liverpool, um, in the last 16 matches, um, in the last 16 matches across Europe's top five leagues, Liverpool have the best form uh, with no losses in 16 and 46 goals scored. Mm-hmm. Uh, City uh, have one loss in that in that time. That was in the Champions League against uh, Shakhtar. Uh, 36 goals scored, so 10 fewer. Uh, Barcelona are um, unbeaten in that time, but uh, with more draws than Liverpool and 35 goals scored. Uh, Bayern have a loss in there as well, 34, 34 goals scored, uh, and Juventus have lost in that time as well, 34 goals scored. So Liverpool have uh, more wins than City, Barcelona, Bayern, and Juventus in the last 16 games, <laughs> and 10 more goals than the closest competitor. So um, here's hoping that that form can continue uh, well into the second half of the season. Here, here. Quick prediction. Who you got? Uh, final score. City. City LFC. Uh, I am gonna. I am gonna go for a. It's gonna be close. Uh, I don't think there's any. I don't think anyone's thinking we're gonna blow them out. Um, but I am. I'm gonna go for. I don't think there's any way that we win a a fourth game in a row by a score of two to one. So, so I'm going to go for a, uh, I'm going to go for a three, two. Oh, and, that's what I had. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's okay if you go for a three, two also. I, I, I think Liverpool is going to just see it out. Van Dyke's going to make like a goal line clearance in the 90th minute to, to preserve the, the one goal lead. Um, and, uh, and for goal scorers, um, I think, uh, I think Sala back in form, uh, Bobby, and then I'll give one to, uh, I think Vinaldum finally scores a goal. It's at Anfield. 
He's playing at home. It's at, it's at Anfield. It's not outside the realm of possibility. I'll give you that. Whatever the final score is, I like your uh, uh, Big Verge uh, goal line clearance in the 90th minute. <laughs> but he does it when it's a draw, and he hits Lalana, who on the counter sinks a late winner, purely <laughs> out of spite for all of the things that we've said. I will, I will take <laughs> on that. this episode. I will take that if that's, if that's the case. I will 100% eat, eat my hat. <laughs> crow and my hat um in regards to Lana if it means a win over a win over city so um, always yeah I, I think uh i think we've got a shot that's that's all i'll say and uh, i think we can end this end this long run uh unbeaten run in the league anyways for city so uh with that i believe we have reached the end of our third episode maybe third and a half (laughs) Uh, yeah it was a doozy yeah it was a big one but it's it's been a busy period and there's been a lot that's gone on so i can't really can't really blame us for going over but um for all those who who have been listening um thanks thanks for joining us once again um and uh keep an eye out here in the future for more new episodes from the Gringos uh, for Patrick Staley. This is Phil Bakke. Adios. Adios, Reds. Up, I just laugh, put my kicks up on they desk, unaffected by they threats, then get busy on they ass, see that's how that shout out me, man, that's how my daddy raised me, that glittering may not be gold, don't let nobody play me, if you are my homeboy, you never have to pay me, go on and put your hands up, when times is hard, you stand up, L-U-P the man, cause of